Episode 10 of the Rugby Pepper podcast turns its attention towards the women's Six Nations. With two rounds in, the Red Roses are two wins from two and looking ahead to England versus Wales this weekend, I'm joined by England's most ever capped player, Rocky Clark, and World Cup winning centre and another future Hall of Famer, Emily Scarrett. I'm in the presence of about 235 England caps, if my uh, maths is good enough. Uh, Rocky Clark, hello. Welcome to the Rugby Paper. I know you've been with us for, what is it, a couple of weeks now? Yeah, thanks for having me. Really looking yeah. forward to chatting today. That's great to have you on board. And of course, Emily Scarrett, how are you? Yes, very well, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. It's great to have you with us as well. I'm guessing the body is not too sore after Saturday. You came on for, was it 20, 25 minutes in the end? Yeah, it wasn't too long in the end. Sarah Hunter and I got a little, I think it's probably about a 15 minute cameo at the end. So yeah, the body's actually, it's doing all right, thankfully. And obviously you're probably fed up of talking it, about it by now, but you're coming back from your own injury. I, I saw the clip. I wish I hadn't seen the clip, to be honest, but it was, <laughs> you did several things to your ankle. I can't remember the exact science of it, but is the ankle feeling strong, stable? You had, what, 60 minutes against Scotland, it was. I'm guessing Simon's plan is to rotate you where possible and sort of ease you back into it a little bit. Yeah, um, obviously, I, I don't quite know the plan in terms of how they're looking at it, but um, I imagine that's that's all part of it. I was able to get 20 minutes for club prior to the Six Nations, which wasn't quite as much as we'd have wanted and then obviously yeah 60 against Scotland and then obviously about 15 at the weekend so yeah it's um it, but yeah it's feeling good obviously it it was quite a, a substantial injury so it's going to still be a bit stiff on the morning and take a little bit longer to recover and have to kind of do some extra work on it to to keep it going but um but yeah, yeah all's well so far. Touch wood you've actually not had too many injuries over the course of your career so how was it coming back after a six-month layoff? To my knowledge, you haven't had a layoff of quite that long. First test in 11 months. Were the nerves jangling a bit more than they would have norm- ordinarily been? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, you want to... Obviously, you're putting an England shirt on, so you want to be able to to represent that the best way you possibly can. Um, and obviously, I was, I was quite aware that I hadn't had much rugby behind me, but I had had quite a bit of training. So you kind of back yourself in terms of having had a bit of kind of continuity with with some stuff and actually getting back in the game and just the simple things of passing and catching again and all that sort of stuff so yeah obviously it wasn't quite the run-in that I would have wanted in terms of preparation but at the same time um, we do some pretty tough training so it kind of feels like I've played a lot more matches than I actually have because of some of the training that that we've got through Um, but yeah. A lot of people maybe don't realise this about rehab and Rocky you know this as well rehab actually allows you to sort of condition yourself in a way that almost lets you come back a little bit more bulletproof almost than you ordinarily would have been. I remember you credited Rocky the longevity of your career to sort of relentless dedication to rehab and functional work and making sure your body was in the best position it could be in. Do you think there are silver linings to rehab? And I'm sort of asking, I'm going through a torn ACL reconstruction at the moment, so I'm asking from a personal reassurance perspective as well, but silver linings to rehab and that when you come back, you one, have maybe invested in things you wouldn't have ordinarily invested in, but also two, are potentially more in the know about your own body and what you need to prioritise. Yeah, absolutely. And the older and wiser you get, you sort of understand your body and know what you need to do. But in terms of silver lining, absolutely. You can work on any of your weaknesses, if obviously, with, I don't know, something like passing and catching or if you've, if you've got a lower leg injury, work your upper body. And so, yeah, you have that opportunity to come back. And for me, it's about becoming coming back really robust and strong and sometimes you come back stronger which is which is great so you have that full confidence when you go back on the field and you can take the the big hits and and issue them out so yeah for sure 
Yeah. Emily, you started a podcast, didn't you? As part of, not part of your rehab, but I guess boredom. And you thought I'd give that a go. <laughs> yeah, we started it maybe like this time last year, actually. Um, it's obviously a spin-off from what the boys do on The Good, The Bad, The Rugby. It was something that they came to me with, asked if I was interested. It's definitely not a space or a sphere that I was particularly comfortable in or, or would have come up with by myself. Um, but at the same time, it definitely pushed me out of my comfort zone so I thought why not sometimes it's good to do things that make you a little bit uncomfortable and yeah it's been good fun like we've spoken to some amazing people obviously lots of people in the rugby world but also we've kind of spanned into some women's sport as well um and yeah it's, it's been it's been really good fun been received pretty well from from what I've heard and so yeah it's it's different but yeah it's been good fun so far yeah you find stuff that you definitely wouldn't have found otherwise and is there look obviously you're nearly 100 international caps into your career is there a different weight to picking up an injury like that at that stage uh, rather than I don't know say it had happened 10 years earlier is it something that says to you look I need to have a slightly more well-being oriented outlook going forward I think it's definitely different obviously your your bounce back ability kind of starts to deteriorate as you naturally get older doesn't it but um but at the same time, as kind of Rocky probably alluded to, you, you've you also got a lot of things in place by that point in your career. So the rest of your body fo- should be functioning pretty well. So actually, there's a lot of stuff that, that's already in place. You've got good foundations. So when you do come back, hopefully, as Rock said, you, you're, you're fitter and stronger in, in many ways. But at the same time, you also then have to manage perhaps some pre-existing problems that you that you may have in terms of tendon issues or you know certain things that are already giving you jip because you have played international rugby for 12 13 years whatever it might be the worst bit in my opinion of injuries is the FOMO and that <laughs> you were probably watching the autumn you're commentating on the autumn internationals weren't you and it was I think it was something like 99 points to 27 against the Black Ferns over the course of the two games I'm sure there'll be the wounds from 2017 and I'm sure you'll hopefully get your retribution later this year but how was it watching from the sidelines when ordinarily you'd be in the thick of it? Yeah, obviously you want to be in the thick of it. That's that's why I'm a rugby player. I want to play rugby. Um, but at the same time, I, I did really enjoy still being there and feeling kind of a small part of it by being on the other side of it, if you like, and doing some some punditry stuff for the games. I know some people, you know, people have different mindsets with that sort of stuff. Some people would want to completely separate themselves and and not really think about it. Some people might not even watch the games, etc. Because it's like you say, that FOMO and the almost the hurt of not being able to be involved is is too much. But for me, I love the game. I wanted to get behind the girls and I think it definitely helped me being obviously not directly involved in, in the way that I would want to be. But um yeah, it was it was awesome. Obviously, I think Rocky will definitely agree with this, but any big result like that over New Zealand, obviously you want to be part of that team. You want to be involved in it. Um, but at the same time, I was really chuffed for the girls and and the results and the crowds and the the records and everything that, that happened in the autumn. It was a fantastic display. Well, because of the injury as well, you've settled the podcast, you've got a career in commentary now. So whenever that moment does come, you're kind of set for the few years after that, definitely. Speaking of FOMO, obviously... Rocky, you, your last England game was 2018. Played for, the bar bar, played for the Barbars after that. How is the FOMO watching a team sort of putting together something of a dynasty as the Red Roses? 20 wins in a row, 21. The next one will be the 21st, is that right? Uh, yeah. if, should you win, obviously. Uh, how is it watching a dynasty like that? You've got one World Cup yourself. Would you bet against another later this year? And is that something you wish you were a part of? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's really tough having retired. And as um, Skaz talked about when you're injured and, and that she's gone through, you, 
you still really want to be a part of it and it's great when you get the opportunity to to do some media or be around and and you know still be involved but it it's really hard to watch and anyone that says it isn't I like I take my hat off to them because like it's it's wonderful and you know and I I think one of the first games actually to start that row, I think I was involved in, I think. So I'll have to check that because then I can jump on that. Um, I, I don't know. That. <laughs> I think it was, I think it was Ireland um, would be the first one because we lost to France. It is really tough, but I definitely like what they, how they're going now. I'm so impressed and the strength and depth. You've got pretty much two England teams that have, have been played over the last couple of games and you know, you wouldn't bet against them. I, you know, I'm pretty sure they're going to uh, going to lift the trophy. And how they, you know, demolished New Zealand recently, you can't bet against them. The only, I'll be interested to see how France go uh, against them. You know, France are looking pretty tasty, but when you compare the two results uh, against Italy, obviously England pretty much doubled France's score. How they beat Italy, so it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, certainly uh, can't wait. With France, you said in your column for the rugby paper that you thought the scoreline, and I think you said this about the Italy game, not necessarily um, about this weekend, flattered France a little bit. Do you still think that's the case? Or do you think you saw enough this weekend from that French team for England to think, okay, a potential title decider in Paris is a bit of a prospect? I think most people would probably assume it would be between between France and England. And and I think England are going to do it with the form they're in. And, you know, they, they just seem unstoppable and, Fair play to to France if they do it, but I, I can't I can't see it happening. But but France are a very very strong side. You look at how well some of their key players are going. Like Sanzus is just unstoppable, and you know fall from the second rows carrying like a back row player. You, you can't bet against those guys. But just how much depth England have, I think uh, they they're going to certainly put a good show on. One player I've been very impressed with is Caroline Trouin. French 10. Emily, have you seen a lot of her? Have you come against her quite a lot on the, well, playing up through the system? Yeah, so we played a lot against one another, uh, probably more so playing sevens, to be honest. She's played a lot on the seven circuit and then she's come over to the 15 side, perhaps more so in the last couple of years. But yeah, she's a brilliant player, all round skill set, um, obviously fantastic kicking game. Um, and she's, yeah, she's a big player for that. I'm very good at her goal kicks as well. Um, I think yeah. she... I think it was someone said in comms the other day that she hadn't had the best kicking game, but every one, every try they'd scored was in the on the touchline. So I was like, you probably need to cut her a bit of slack on that one. I was like, as a kicker, I was like, come on, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, she's been very impressive. And when you've got Sanzus, as Rocky says, obviously Bordon, who's injured at the moment, plus Druan, when you've got kind of nines and tens, marshallers, controllers, whatever you want to call them like that, it's a, an exciting prospect for a side with then the firepower out wide and some kind of brutality up front as well. It's always quite nice as a kicker when the team decides to score under the post most of the game. (laughs) Stats are stats at the end of the day. My university season last year, I didn't miss a kick, but all of them except one was from straight in front. Exactly. No one one needs to know that. (laughs) No one ever asked the 30% kicking record was like every try was scored on the touchline or if you get 100%, everyone was under the post. No one one needs to know that bit. So yeah, it's always important. Exactly. And forgive me for asking, is your, just going back to your ankle, was your ankle your kicking leg or was it your other leg? It was my plant leg. It was your yeah, plant so, leg. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah. you seem to be striking it very well um, <laughs> against Scotland, certainly. Rocky, going back to you and what you're doing at the moment, you're a personal trainer. We were discussing that before we started recording. You're also, are you co- still coaching at Chesham? No, I'm not. So I'm coaching yeah. at Bedford Modern School and Oakland's College doing the Saracens Academy pathway. 
and then I'm forwards coach uh, at Saracens as well. So doing a lot of stuff and then obviously trying to get my media career off the ground as well. So it's go, it's been a busy time, but, you know, I love being busy. And do you foresee a way into the England coaching setup at some point? I'm guessing if you were asked, you wouldn't say no. Oh, yeah, of course I would. Um, as a level four coach now, you know, that's that's something in my sights at some point to, to go forward and, and coach an international team. And yeah, wouldn't it be amazing? The dream job to uh, to be forwards coach of England for sure. That would be awesome. And obviously you've got the the track record with Simon Middleton. So I, I wouldn't bet against that. And lastly, just on a personal perspective, Sarah Hunter now has 132 caps. She won't, she obviously mathematically can't get there this Six Nations, but may well overtake your record at the World Cup. Is that something you've always known was going to be reached at some point? And my thought is if anyone was going to do it, Sarah Hunter would be a great, you know, a great candidate. Obviously, we've got another one on the call with us. Emily, you're 40 caps away or so. We, we could talk about that. But from a Sarah Hunter perspective, yeah, there aren't too many better to do it than her. No, exactly. Sarah Hunter's a, a good friend of mine. And I remember get, her getting her first cap and, you know, I'd be very pleased to hand the, the baton over to her. And, and I would imagine... Emily Scarrett will probably take the baton off her. So it's expected. Like, nice why it lasted, of course. And, you know, when, when Jason passed it on to me, it was uh, incredible. So, you know, I'll be very proud of her when she, when she achieves it. And, yeah, you, you can't bet against that either, to be fair. She's uh, she's doing well. And, you know, got an incredible back row, but she her experience and, and playing so well in the big games, like she's still a, a key player. And then, obviously, Emily Scarrett is... Uh, just like a machine, just keeps going and going. Love Not it. Too far away. And Emily, should you play for against Wales and play against Ireland, Ireland will be your hundred. Yeah. How how do you feel about that? We're not talking about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's the best, the no best way questions. to be. Yeah, yeah it really honestly. is. Because everyone okay. everyone talks about it, but you you know it's so stressful. Like you see training injuries or anything can can crop up or selection issues. Like yeah, of you, you, you you celebrate it once you you get it. Exactly. You don't really think about it until you're leading the team out. Uh, Rocky, I'm guessing you have fond memories of your 100. I do indeed. Yeah, it was an amazing occasion. We were at Twickenham uh, against France. You know, what bigger occasion to play uh, against the French and and just the the amount of people I had coming from from Cheshire Rugby Club um, and lots of friends and family. And there was they'd all got loads of these Rocky masks that so they were all staring at me as I'd come out. There was like 200 Rockies in the crowd and yeah, the crowd were like on their feet going wild and it, it was great. I ran out and just like soaked up the atmosphere and then Jason Leonard presented me my hundredth cap. So it was, it was amazing. Yeah. Let's hope Emily that you get yours against Ireland. I won't mention it anymore. I promise. <laughs> um, now coming back to the England team from where I'm sitting, what's particularly scary is your net point, is something like 140 points to five over the course of two games. And the general direction of discourse is this is a team whose cohesion hasn't yet completely clicked and you haven't yet hit top gear. Obviously, that's not what World Rugby wants to hear. But do you feel that that is that the general consensus in Camp Emily at the moment, that the cohesion is going to continue to improve over the course of the tournament? And that in itself is obviously an incredibly exciting thing. Yeah, I think so. I think obviously the first game, there was that element of kind of a bit of rust. Obviously, we hadn't played together since the Autumn Internationals. Um, and that first game always takes a little bit to to just get going. I think we saw that in, in the French team as well. Um, just a little bit of kind of just a few little bits off to what you perhaps expect of yourselves. But um, yeah, I think obviously we made was it 10 or 11 changes between the two, the two yeah. games that we've played. So 
you know, as Rocky said, that just shows that the depth that we have in the squad at the moment. There's, I mean, I don't envy the coaching staff at all when they've actually got to try and pick what they deem to be their their best starting 15 and their best 23. So that's that's why they're paid the big bucks, I suppose, isn't it? To make those decisions. But yeah, I, I think the depth is is awesome at the moment. Obviously, that that cohesive side of things where we're always trying to continue to get that as as perfect and as, as good as possible obviously we do a lot of work when we're training and whatnot together but fundamentally you get it most from playing in those tough environments when the heat is on when the crowd's roaring and you can't hear what each other are saying that's where it really counts and um, so the more experiences like that we can get together the, the better definitely and it was Simon he did say Simon at the start of the tournament that you guys have enough for two England teams which is obviously a bold claim that the best of times, but you kind of showed that it was 11 changes against Italy and you demolished a, a strong Italy side. The likes of Lydia Thompson, Sarah McKenna, uh, they bagged five tries between them, having not played against Scotland, etc. Rocky, have you ever seen such strength in depth? Obviously, someone like Zoe Aldcroft, player of the year last year, she hasn't even featured yet. And all of this competition, it can only really be healthy competition, right? Even if it's a bit of a headache as a coach and maybe you want to wait for your England coaching career until the competition dies down at least a little bit. I love those coaching headaches, you know, when, I, when I've coached a club and, and you have those that you like. Quite often you pick on, on what's in front of you, the game you're expecting. So you might pick a certain 10 that plays a certain way or say if the opposition's got a really strong scrum, you might go for a, a, a more of a scrummaging pop than a, a carrying prop. Like So, you know, they're, they're great conversations to have. And yeah, Simon is just so lucky to have so much strength and depth and any international team would love that headache and yeah he's 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 done really well and and you know testament to the prem 15s as well just bringing these players through and the youngsters are putting their hands up and it's great to see you know like a Maudmer and just all those kids coming through well the average age of the team is well it fluctuates but you have so many people who were well depressingly I'm 22 they were born after me um but yeah it's incredible that I don't think I've ever seen in any international team but every area on the pitch is spoken about as a sort of high competition area Emily you've obviously come back from injury and in that time the likes of Helena Rowland, Holly Aitchison, Lagi Tuema they're all staking their claim to a jersey in that midfield are you feeling that in a positive way it's pushing you to be better and do you think that the midfield is up there with the most competitive areas or do you think you honestly just say the whole all 15 jerseys are a complete sort of roll of the dice at the moment almost I got asked this yesterday and when you look across this team you're like oh yeah well, the back row is really competitive and then you're like oh the back three is really competitive and then you're, and you just keep moving around the subsections of a team and you're actually like well actually no they're all really competitive um I think you've You've already spoken about some of the players that aren't involved at the moment. So we all crossed obviously out at the moment. Amy Kane, Hannah Bottomman, they're all on the hopefully on the rehab journey back, not too, not too far away. Marley Packer wasn't involved this weekend. She was player of the match the previous weekend. You, you know, there's some serious names that are that are going really well. I think from a midfield point of view, it was awesome to see in the autumn, you know, how well they went. Holly, you know, especially, she was a, a brand new cap. Um, thrown into um, two tests against New Zealand which is no mean feat although perhaps it wasn't the test that, that we all expected but still she went really really well and obviously for somebody out injured I, I appreciate you might not believe me when I say this but it, it genuinely is exactly what I wanted to see um, I've known Holly a long time we've played together at Litchfield we played together through the sevens and you want someone to kind of take that shirt and and do their thing with it as well it's not about her trying to 
do what I do in it because we're completely different players and people and, and that will never be the case. And as Rocky said, you might select one because you want to play a certain way or there's a certain threat that you need to be aware of and, and you might select the other for, for different reasons. So I think it's great that we've got a bit of a bit of depth now in that midfield. Obviously, Helena can play as well at 10 as she can at 12 and Zoe as well. And there's, yeah, there's so many people, Amber Reed yet who hasn't featured a huge amount yet through the Six Nations, but she's got some unreal pedigree as well. So yeah, I think, and I've probably missed off a load of people as well when I'm saying all these names. So um, yeah, it's exciting. It makes training incredibly competitive and incredibly tough. You think if you're playing kind of 15 on 15, actually that's a all of a sudden turning into a really brutal international game on a on a weekday. But at the same time, hopefully it's just making us all better. Holly's an interesting one, and I was going to ask you about her anyway. Obviously, you are both very different players, but not completely different backgrounds. You both played for Team GB at the Olympics, both uh, sevens background. I don't think the sevens transition from a sevens back to a rugby union um, midfielder is necessarily an easy one. Has she looked to you and come to you about that transition and facilitating that? Yeah, like we've had conversations, obviously, when we were going through pre-season and, and training stuff. Obviously, I wasn't involved at all in the autumn because I or I was already injured by then. So obviously, I wasn't able to to be around the environment and potentially help with, with certain small conversations. But Holly and I get on really well. As I say, we've, we've played together for a long time. We do... What I quite like about it is we will do and see things quite differently, which is are then really nice conversations to have because inevitably in rugby, it's not black and white. There isn't one answer to, to every question or scenario. So being able to see things differently and not challenge each other, but have those kind of conversations where perhaps we can try and explain what we're seeing and how we'd want to do something is, is a really nice way to kind of continue to explore how we can get the best out of each other. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of looking at it. And I think that competition, it always helps when you come into camp to have not necessarily that you're her direct mentor, but a mentor type figure. And you can certainly be that for her. Right. A short, we, I know we don't have too long left because Emily, you've got to go, but a short break in rugby proceedings before we get to a brief note on England, Wales. Emily Scarrett, Rocky Clark, it is time for both of your random rugby 15s. It's 15 quick fire questions. Say as much or as little as you like. I'll, I'll ask the question. Rocky answers, Emily answers, and then we'll move on to the next one. Rather Just super through. quick fire, like one or two word type things. As much as uh, Jeremy Guscott spoke for about 16 minutes for each one. <laughs> Ideally, don't do that. <laughs> no, short and sweet. Yeah, short, I, short and sweet makes for better listening. So if you're, if you're ready to go, we'll get going. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So Rocky first and then Emily. Nickname? Uh, Rocky, you just said it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Emily, best rugby memory? Winning the World Cup. Winning the World Cup. Soccer. Uh, most embarrassing <laughs> rugby memory. Uh, trying to score a try five metres before the try line. Why is it always front post <laughs> that do that? I've had Graham Roundtree who's done that. Uh, uh, Martin Whitcomb who's done that. It's only ever a, it's a symptom of being a front row, I think. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, yes, you dive and your arms up. And then you're like, no, <laughs> still five metres away. Emily, I'm guessing you've not done the same thing. No, I've... I think mine would probably be, I've had a shocker kicking before, like kicking for goals. I missed lows during the game and then I actually got one and I got this ironic cheer from the crowd. It was like, yay, as if to be like, yeah, he's finally got one. And I was like, brilliant. Yeah, that's <laughs> never fun. Is the crowd the worst bit of being a goal kicker at some points? Because there can be a little bit, all the booing is horrendous. Obviously, normally you get silence when you kick. It's when you go to places like France where they, they don't observe that rule at yeah. all. Or I don't think it even is a rule. But it's kind of nice in a way because it's you know you want atmosphere and like, you definitely get it there 
Pre-game tune. Sorry, that was a bit of an interlude. Rocky, pre-game tune. Um, Titanium. By Sia, presumably. You love that song. That actually indeed. reminds me of you now. Well, Yay! Um, I'm just literally looking at my Spotify now. What did I have on? I had a bit of um, Follow Me at the weekend. Sam Felt and Rita Ora. It's very, ch- very okay. changeable. I'll have a listen afterwards. Uh, post-game meal. Love a bit of pizza. <laughs> Pizza's been a common one. Emily? I, I often, I'm not hungry after games, so I would prefer to like drink something. I know, it's a bit strange. So, That's like, really strange. A smoothie or something, yeah. Unless it's a lot later print. on. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not really a pizza, pizza girl. Maybe just something. Salad. <laughs> a few leaves can you imagine god 80 minute shift you get a salad best player you've played against rocky oh question um oh, come back to me i can't think i've just gone that brain fart okay emily i always go kelly brazier for this i think she's unbelievable footballer probably has never really got the credit she deserves in because she's always part of a unbelievable kiwi team she's mega Rocky, anyone, or have you outscrummaged everyone you've ever played against? Uh, I'm going to go Jamie Burke, the uh, American okay. tight end, great ball carrier right. and excellent scrummager. Best player you've played with? Is this where we say each other rocks? Yeah. <laughs> I think we should. That'd be a good one. <laughs> Is that what we're going with? <laughs> no, go, do your real one. Do your real one. Um, do you want me to go front row or do you want me to go Whoever anyone? you like. I'm going to go Nolly Waterman, like electric player i've got two i reckon amy t for her just innate skill set and then probably katie daly mclean just for her everything else rugby two more player ones favorite player right now sorry rocky you probably aren't loving these questions right now that's okay um favorite player alicia butchers for wales nice oh is it is it a women's player either either I'm going to go cliche and say Dupont. I love watching him. We've had many Duponts over the past 10 episodes. Rugby Idol. Jonah Lomu. Typical props answer. Yeah. (laughs) That was always the aspiration, (laughs) wasn't it, Rob? Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. When when I stopped eating pizza, it was uh, Jonah. (laughs) Emily? Um, Growing up, mine was Jordan Murphy. Okay, nice. Uh, Favourite stadium? Twickenham. I think, yeah. Twickenham, but also Welford Road. Favourite gym exercise? This is a tough one because i got a decent upper body and like string little legs. So I clearly like my upper body stuff. So we're either going um, single arm row or bench press, but probably if I had to go, first thing I'd go to is bench. Okay. Emily? Scars, the same for you. <laughs> I'm the complete opposite, surprisingly. Yeah, I've got little T-Rex arms as well. <laughs> Emily, you don't, you're not blessed with the same thing. Makes you a strong deadlift, no. though, so I'm going to hazard that you're going to say deadlift. Yeah, I'm going to go power clean. I like okay. a power clean. Nice. Because it's a bit it, like you have to be relatively coordinated and skillful to do it. It's not just all about strength. Yeah, that's why I can't do it. <laughs> uh, occupation if rugby didn't exist. Uh, PE teacher. Yeah, probably the same. Superstitions. Oh, uh, I always wear um, long sleeved um, under what they called under tops. Uh, and yeah. I, like, and I've worn them many a time when we're out in Canada, and it's like thirty degrees, and I'm boiling from inside out, and possibly on the verge of death. But I still maintain them. Yeah. Surely so. it goes against the whole loving upper body, hating lower body mantra. 
you don't want to cover up the old guns. There is that, but for some reason it's just a superstition. So I, I feel it protects me. Yeah, and my scrum, scrum at as well. I'm uh, I, I never play without a scrum at really. It's um, I feel a bit naked her face, without it. Her, her face would be red and steam coming out of her scrum hat holes, but she'd still be in that thermal. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like a raging bull. <laughs> Even on your watt bike in the gym, you're still wearing the scrum cap and the long Oh yeah, space. I wear it to bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's not a visual podcast, so we can pretend you're wearing a scrum cap now for this. Oh, I am. To be part of your identity, <laughs> Emily. Any superstitions? Um, not really, but I always take with me a little piece of black coal that my granddad gave me a long time ago because he told me that that was good luck. Oh, wow. That's wow. really cute. That's, that's very cute. Rugby rule, you would change. <laughs> um, I'd go easy one. Like if they don't jump in a line out and it's not straight, then just keep the ball. Yeah, keep the game flowing. Emily? Um, what aggravates me? Please don't say uh, scrums. <laughs> yeah, just ditch them all together. <laughs> Probably the whole mall situation where it, it goes to the ground and everyone flops on top of it and the ball can't come out. And okay. It's just dull. Yeah, yeah, no, interesting. And lastly, best thing about working in rugby? Oh, just like being you know, paid to play is amazing and to, to, to do what you love, but also in terms of a coaching hat, uh, being able to, to pass on your knowledge and inspire the future and, and give somebody the opportunity to, to reach their potential and see them shine is great. Yeah, it's a good answer. Very good answer. Yeah, very similar, but I think also just fundamentally like the people the people you get in rugby are slightly different gravy to you, what you get in lots of other walks of life and they're they're brilliant yeah that's very in line with what others have said we've always had people and helping other people etc except for david flatman who said food <laughs> <laughs> right thank you for doing that um emily i know you have to go in five minutes or so but just a brief note on this weekend's fixture looking ahead to wales two wins from two it's very much early days in their professional era and rocky the typical wales way is run hard, run hard, run hard. What should England be looking to stop? Like, for example, the, the Wales driving mall has fired very well over the first two rounds. Do you, what do you see as being the biggest threats to England this weekend? You just talked about that. The driving mall is, is absolutely key to be able to compete and stop and stop their uh, their firepower coming from there. They've got some, some big, heavy runners that England need to get off the line and shut down early so they don't dent uh, England's side. And then, you know, there's some some speed out with Jazz Joyce on that wing. You don't want to give her too much space um, and time on the ball. So, so cutting that down early. But I think it'll be like a, a good test for England. Like physicality is going to going to be thrown at them. And as Emily's already said, the passion to play against England. Uh, you know what a what a fixture it's going to be. So uh, with all the, their support as well, and and they've been going well. I mean, I know Wales have got a really good feeling in camp. Obviously, a lot's changed since since last year and and um, going professional as well. It won't have taken full effect yet, but it's certainly, you know, just, just given us a taste of, uh, of what can come. So that's great to see on the, on the women's stage. And both of you obviously remember when England rugby went professional. Rocky, you say it hasn't taken full effect yet. For those that don't really understand the significance of the start of a professional era, what effect does that actually denote? Yeah, but quite a big part of it is is being able to recover. I know it's, it sounds weird, but actually, you know, it's great to be paid to to sit and recover. But that that's absolutely key. I remember Sophie Hemming, who was the England tighthead, she used to go off and do training at like 5 a.m. in the morning before being a vet all day, finished at like 6, 7, and then to go off to, to Bristol training, finish at 10. So to not have to fit a full day's physical 
you know, demanding job in means more time for skills, video analysis, recovery. It's absolutely key. And obviously the, you can see how much it makes a difference to how the team play. They know each other's little if a person steps off of one foot or who's likely to offload or who's likely to burst through that first tackle, where to support, that kind of thing. Just makes such a difference. Emily, I know you've been asked this question before. But I think I know what you're going to say, but <laughs> is it nice having a Wales that is, you know, a force to be reckoned with? It, it's obviously good for rugby. Is it good for English rugby? Yeah, of course. Um, I think, obviously, I wouldn't like to put a number on it, but there's a hell of a lot of them that play in the, the Premier 15s week in, week out. So we we know a lot, load of the girls really, really well. Obviously, any England-Wales clash is spicy at the best of times. It's not it's not a clash that anybody needs any extra encouragement to get up for. And obviously the fact that now it's two unbeaten sides going head to head this weekend um, makes it even more exciting. I think the venue is a fantastic venue in terms of Gloucester and King's home. It's obviously, you know, pretty close to Wales. So I think the already the ticket sales are, are through the roof, potentially setting a new record, but obviously hopefully for, well, hopefully for Wales, they'll, they'll have a, a good contingent there as well, given the proximity, but yeah, it's they're always amazing games obviously the fact that they're going really well at the moment the fact that they've got some unbelievable players that are, that are standing up and putting their hand up on there like you say they're in their infancy really in terms of this new this new professionalism for them and, and the journey that they'll be going on but yeah I can only see them making great strides forward from here it's all very exciting like you say Emily England Wales it always has that bit of an edge so it will be at King's home on Saturday at 4:45, and it's definitely something to look forward to Okay, we are going to wrap up there. Emily, I know you have to go. Emily, Rocky, thanks so much for being with me. Emily, good luck this Saturday. I'm sure we'll come away with the win and hopefully a Grand Slam in a few weeks' time. And good luck with the World Cup later this year. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Remember to pick up your copy of the Rugby Paper in stores on Sundays or to have it delivered straight to your door, you can sign up for our digital subscription. Next week, to discuss life after rugby, I'm joined by former England captain Phil de Glanville and former British and Irish lion Tony Underwood.